Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. You will find me in Ephesians chapter 4. I will begin at verses 1 through 6, jump to 17, and then from there jump to 22 through verses 24. If it is customary for you to stand, please stand and honor the word of God. If not, I will begin reading. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. 17, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Thus ends the reading of God's word, so let us pray. Eternal and gracious fathers, once again that I come to you, O God, with a bowed head and a humble heart. First saying, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to declare your word before your people. It is not something that I have done of my own strength, but that you, oh God, have orchestrated for this day. And for that, God, I say thank you. Father, I pray now that you will decrease Danielle and that you will allow your spirit to arise and that you will do what you have decreed that you would do for this day. For you have allowed your people to hear you yet again another day. Father, we come with an open heart and an open spirit to hear what you would have for us to hear today. Now, Father, prepare us to hear from you, to reason with you, and to learn what you would have us to learn today. Father, help us to walk worthy of your love, which is demonstrated in our lives. Make your word real to us and allow us to see you and to see your heart. In Jesus' name, I pray, believe, and decree it to be so. Amen. God has a funny way or a funny sense of humor. I began wrestling with this text several weeks ago, and as it would happen, I went to a conference last weekend. And the conference was dealing with worship and the weapons that we are, that we have in our worship. And the keynote speaker's lesson or her sermon topic for the night was walk worthy. And I laugh because that is my text or my sermon topic for today. And only God could have orchestrated such a thing to remind me that I was on the right track. And so if you have your word or if you give me a minute of your time, I promise I will not be before you long. But God has a word for all of us to hear today. And it simply is walk worthy. It is time out for playing with God and expecting his promises to still manifest. We as a believer is admonished to walk worthy of this gift we have been given. It is time out for giving God our release and expecting his best. It is time out for expecting God to be faithful when we are continually unfaithful to him. Now, don't be fooled because he dealt with me first, and he dealt with my inconsistencies and my inadequacies. So, don't under so understand that I come as a student just as you have. 
And so he expects us to be submissive and to be consistent. And well, that is something that I know that I am guilty of. And so I am believing God to help us pull back the covers of our lives and show us us, where we are falling short, but more importantly, to grow us into who he has called us to be. So let's take this walk together. Here in the text, we find the Apostle Paul has written this letter to this group of believers found in the city of Ephesus. Now, when we talk about the town or city of Ephesus, we have to understand it was not some small tribal backwoods place. Ephesus was a lot like your big cities of today. Ephesus was not an easy place to live the righteous life. It was a thriving seaport that had many wonders and wiles that come through there. They were devout believers in the goddess of Diana and even built their city around her. The very name Ephesus meant desirable because what you desired could be found there. Their main attractions were people coming to visit her beautiful temples. So it was not easy to live as a Christian in a place that flowed with all types of goodies and yet there was a group of people there who understood that there was a better way to do life and it was with Jesus Christ. They understood there was a new covenant in place, a new agreement given, a new contract made that gave them more benefits than they could ever imagine more opportunities than they could ever conceive and a promise that and a promise in that no other god could offer and this belief was rooted in Jesus Christ so make it plain Danielle in Philadelphia we are called the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection we have a beautiful skyline and a downtown filled with all kinds of museums and theaters and stores and restaurants whatever your proclivity is you can find it in center city our city flows with thousands of tourists daily coming to see what we offer, often passing through on the way up to New York or down to D.C. This is where you come for the best cheesesteaks on this side of heaven, the softest pretzels, and the best water rice. But it's also bustling with the highest murder rates, corrupt politicians, unneighborly people, and a failing school system. Amen? So how in a city full of glitz and glamour and fun-filled sinful things can one as a believer live trusting in God? Well, I'm glad that you asked. But before we get to Ephesians, we must go back to Acts 19. You see, on one of Paul's missionary trips, he came to a town called Ephesus. He encountered a group of men who were new converts and he asked them a question. Paul's question was simply, have you received the Holy Spirit. Now Paul's question was not about whether or not they could speak in tongues, but rather had they received the revelator, the Holy Spirit, and had it been revealed to them that the Messiah had come and he had left gifts and a playbook as to how to live as a new man. You see, the people had been baptized under John's baptism, so they were aware that they needed a savior. But Paul wanted to know, had they received the revelation that the Messiah had already come and set them free? Did they know that he had left behind the one that would make their life brand new? Did they know that he had left behind strategies and step-by-step -step instructions on how to win at this game called life? And if they follow the rule book, victory would be theirs. So I ask you today, have you received the Holy Spirit? A lot of us Christians know that there is a God, and we know that Jesus is his son. 
But do we know that the greatest benefit of his coming was to set us free from the snares and traps of this life? Do we know that he left us gifts to ensure our success and the winning playbook to navigate this thing called life? In other words, do we know that Jesus left us all the answers to the open book test called life? And all that we are required to do is open the book, and when we get to the question of our lives, insert the answer key from the word of God, and it will be revealed to you that the Messiah has come and he has left you gifts called strategies and a playbook called the word of God, which is the answer key as to how to live as a new creation. You see, the people there, just like many of us, have been baptized under John's baptism. So they are aware that they needed a savior. But did you know that he had left behind the one that would make your life brand new? You see, without the revelation of who God is and what Jesus did and the power that was left for us, there is no way we can live a successful life according to God's plan for our lives. And so Paul's question is one that many pastors must begin to ask their faithful believers. You know the ones that show up every Sunday dressed to impress but powerless. Have you received the Holy Spirit? First and foremost in the book of Ephesians, Paul begins by reminding the people who they are and who they are in Christ. In fact, when I read the entire book of Ephesians, it sounded like the announcer on a game show host who was describing all the great gifts I have just won. You hear the excitement, you hear the joy, you hear the awe of all that you will walk away with as the grand prize winner. Did you know that you are called blessed? Did you know that you are called faithful? Did you know that you are blessed with every spiritual gift? Did you know that you were predestined for adoption and that you were chosen? Did you know that you were, or you were made holy? And most importantly, did you know that you are redeemed? These were some of the grand prize gifts that came with salvation. And so, as we begin in our text, we hear Paul as he begins to outline some foundational truths for godly living. He begins with telling us to walk in lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, and be found always endeavoring to keep the unity. So let us begin to dig a little bit. Lowliness and gentleness, as I began to study the meaning of these two words, I found that lowliness meant humble, humbleness of mind, modesty, humility of mind, lowliness of mind, to rein in or curb, Notice they all deal with the state of your mind and your thoughts, how you view yourself and how you view others in regards to you. And then there was gentleness or meekness, which also meant humble, and by implication, humility. So why would Paul use the same word in two different ways? Because lowliness and gentleness or meekness both mean humble. I propose it was to stress that we must not only be humble in our minds and our thoughts, but also in our actions. Amen? How many know I can think low of myself but still think I am better than you? Or I can act like I am humble and do what the humble do, but still in my mind think that I am more superior to you, but for the sake of the audience that I'm in, I will take the low road, still believing that I am better than you. 
Paul's exhortation leaves nothing to chance as he paints a clear picture. Get your mind and your actions aligned with God's plan. Amen? I love the scripture in 1 Peter 5, 6, where it simply says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. So it does not take the pastor having to come lay hands on you. It doesn't take someone having to come and prophesy to you. You simply need to humble yourselves and put your mind in God's mind and allow God to exalt you in due season. Amen? Amen. Oftentimes we find ourselves trying to open doors that God shut, trying to close doors that God opened when God simply wants us to follow him and allow him to exalt us in due season. Amen. So then I began to study some more and I found the word long-suffering. And long-suffering is a compound word or two words that are joined together. Long meaning enduring and suffering meaning leniency. Bearing one another's burdens in love. Not only does Paul tell us the time frame that we need, we are going to be doing this for a very, very, very long time. He also tells us about what method, which is leniency. And leniency simply means extending grace beyond what we believe is enough. And he also said by what fashion we should extend this grace. He said it should be done in love. So in other words, in order for me to walk worthy, I have to remember that I must be able to endure the trials and tribulations of others by offering leniency when they come up against me or when they backstab me or when they cuss me out or when they say all manner of evil against me and I must do it in love. So, so hold on now, Paul. Now, I, I love a good scripture, and I, I love the word of God, but are you saying that I cannot do an eye for an eye? No, mm -mm, you can't do that. Are you saying I cannot do a slap for a slap? No, you, you can't do that either. But mama said knock you out. See, this is where that seven times 70 comes into play. You see, as often as I want to be forgiven, I must be willing to forgive. I must be willing to go the extra mile and even further if it is required because I fully want to walk worthy of the call upon my life because I am going to find myself needing that very same long suffering given to me and I am not going to want to have to go through hoops and tricks to get it but I'm going to expect and believe God to allow it to come effortlessly by someone else. Amen? Is it easy? Absolutely not. But is it worth it? Absolutely, yes. Then he goes on to say, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring simply means speed, to make effort, to be prompt, to be earnest, to be diligent, to labor, and to study. In other words, I must be intentional in keeping the unity of the spirit to keep the peace. I cannot be found creating chaos and discord amongst the people and even more so amongst the believers. Far too often we find that the discord that we encounter happens in the church, amen? Too many find it easy to create discord and chaos in the house of God and here we are admonished to seek peace at all costs. All we need to do is look at social media and enter hashtag church hurt. 
you will find over 17.6 thousand posts with someone saying that the church hurt them. I went one step further and looked at hashtag church hurt is real and hashtag church hurts and found over 1,000 posts about it. Went one step further and found hashtag church hurt I felt and found over 500 posts. But what if everyone did a hashtag about you and did a hashtag Danielle hurt my feelings? or hashtag Danielle did me wrong, or hashtag insert your name, what would we find? It is easy to tell what someone did to you and how they hurt you and how they did you wrong, but how does this build the body of Christ? If we are part of one body and when one hurt, we all hurt, how does this bring glory to God yet we continually do it and expect God to wink at our miss. When we openly disregard, we openly disrespect, and we openly belittle his creation, what we fail to remember and what we forget is that we are coming against God by coming against whom he has created. And I am not only talking about the leaders, but the nobody that sits on the last row who no one even knows who their name is. When we disrespect God's people, when we disregard God's people, we are in essence saying, God, that this creation that you have created is not worthy for me to give my time to. And that's simply not how God views it. In fact, God has provided instructions and he provided and painted the picture of how he sees unity. If you go with me to Psalms 133, he says, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garment. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, which is life forevermore. God saw unity in a whole new different way. And he left the blueprint as to how we are to view unity. Amen? Unity is like the anointing of the intercessor praying for the abundance of God. Abundance not only in things, but peace of mind, health in your body, strength for the journey, salvation for the unsaved, boldness in declaring God's word, strategy for defeating the enemy of our souls. Unity is more than peace between you and I. It is unity which produces peace for the body of Christ. Amen? All three of these building blocks are character builders. These are all things in your direct control, but something that you must make a conscious, consistent decision to do. This has nothing to do with God giving you something. He has already given you all you need in the Holy Spirit. These are traits that you must apply and not only apply daily, but implement. These are the tools that will make you a huge rock to which God can build upon. I love the way the Message Bible put these very same scriptures. Listen to the text. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here a prisoner for the master, I want you to go out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. 
I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. Listen to the text. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do it with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick to mend fences. You were all called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. Listen to the text. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who rules over all, works through all and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. Listen to the text. And so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd, for they have refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion, listen to the text. But that's not life for you. For you learned Christ, so my assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. For it is rotten through and through, so get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. So what this adds up to then is this, no more lies and no more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we are all connected to each other after all. So when you lie to others, you indeed are lying to yourself. So let's bring this home. When we define worthy, there were two ways of looking at the word. One as an adjective, which is a word that describes something, or as a noun, which is a proper place or thing. As an adjective, it is said, having the qualities that deserve something or somebody having qualities that deserve your respect or attention. As a noun, it is defined as an important person. So here it is. It is God. Thought, it is God thought I was important and deserving of the fact that before I was formed in my mother's womb, God knew me and he called me by my name. He thought I was important and deserving enough that before I was even fully developed, he loved me with an everlasting love and had me on his mind. He thought that I was important and deserving enough that when I did not have sense enough to love myself and try to save myself, he sent his son in my stead to die so that I could live forever with him. He thought that I was important and deserving enough that when I did not have enough sense 
to prepare for my future. He became my Jehovah Jireh and provided an answer before there was even a question. He thought that I was important and deserving enough that when I could not sleep at night because life was way too much, he became my Jehovah Shalom and provided peace in the midst of my storms. He thought that I was important and deserving enough when I was getting my tail beat by the devil and his, as he became my Jehovah Nisi or my banner of victory over the devil. He thought that I was important and deserving enough that when I did not have any guidance in my life and was tossed to and fro by every wind and doctrine, he became my Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord who is my strength, to lead me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He thought that I was important and deserving enough that when I felt alone and destitute, he became my Jehovah Shama, the Lord who was always there, for he has promised to never leave me nor to forsake me. When I think, when I did not think any one noticed me or cared enough to look after me, he became my Jehovah Roi, the strong one who sees. And when he looked at me, he said that I was important and deserving enough. And when I was sick in my body and the doctors gave me a final diagnosis, he became Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who healed me and said that this sickness will not be unto death, but that he will be glorified out of my life. I am worthy because he said that it is finished. He died on the cross and ensured that my name was written in a land's book of life. I had no other choice but to walk worthy because Jesus paid the debt that I simply could not repay. So when life begins to look better out there than it does in here, remember the debt that was paid and the promise that you made when we accepted salvation. I owe him my life. And more importantly, there are people who are assigned to my yes that need me to walk worthy of the call upon my life. So may I encourage you to remember that you were bought with a price that you could never repay. But even more than that, the love that God demonstrated through the gift of Jesus and the power given by the love of Christ to ensure that you remain equipped is enough to remember, had it not been for the Lord that was on my side, the truth be told, we know exactly where we would be, and it would not be in these seats. It would not be with our hands lifted up. It would not be with the praise on our lips. But we understand that God has already provided the blueprint for success in this thing called life. My brothers and my sisters, may I admonish you to remember that Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could live the ultimate life down here as well as up there. Remember that you are called. Remember that you are equipped. Now walk it out. God bless you. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.